Today's episode of Down to Dunk is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or amount minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to Robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co forward slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. I'm Deontay Burden. And I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me tonight is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Night pod! We got ourselves a night pod. Uh, on a night where the Thunder beat the Nets in Brooklyn, 111 to 103 in overtime. On the back of Chris Paul, who was outstanding in the fourth quarter in overtime. He had eight points through the first three quarters and then scored 20 in the fourth quarter in overtime, finished with 28 points, six boards, three assists, two steals, only three turnovers. It was an unbelievable mid-range performance, man. It was. Uh, Eric Horn retweeted a tweet from someone. I'm trying to find it real quick. uh, From Steve Jones Jr., He said, the one thing the Thunder has allowed is really for CP3 to data collect for three quarters and then come at you in a giant wave in the fourth if needed. (laughs) That's really hard to deal with, especially when he's got others going too. I love that idea that CP3 is just gathering data for three quarters. (laughs) You know, he scores eight points. It's like, what's he doing out there? And then the fourth quarter, he's run it through his program in his head. He's done all his algorithms. He's done all his calculations. And then he attacks. (laughs) I mean, he's been nearly perfect in every single close game in like the last month and a half. I mean, he's been ridiculous and he just finds his spots. He gets there and he makes the shots. I just, I watching the fourth quarter, that stretch where I think he had maybe five points in a row or something, or it was, it was four points in a row and it was just off of being in the bonus where he knew they were in the bonus, so he drove really hard, flopped, got to the free throw line. Second, steal from Steven Adams, where Steven dives to the floor, somehow rips away this rebound, throws it to Chris. Chris dribbles up the floor, knows that Jared Allen's right behind him, stops. Jared Allen just falls right into him, gets another one. I mean, 
that's four points. That's a you know that that swing was like what helped got the Thunder back into the game and helped them to eventually tie the game and go into overtime. And it's just those like little small things that he is that he does throughout the game that keep the Thunder in it. Where you think like, oh man, like how are they going to get themselves back in? And it's not even shot making. It's just knowing that you're in the bonus and then just stopping in front of Jared Allen. And it's those tiny things that lead to the opportunity to make the big shots like he did. And he was just, again, spectacular in the clutch. And Chris Paul needs to be an all-star. I'll say it. If, if this was any other NBA market, I think that there would be no question that he's an all-star. If this if he was if he's playing in Los Angeles for whatever team, if he's playing New York and they had this exact same season, we wouldn't even have to say he needs to be an all-star. But I think in OKC for this season when this team isn't supposed to be doing anything, I think that it's clear to me that Chris Paul is and should be an all-star. And uh, unfortunately, because of the way it's set up, it does feel like it's going to come down to him or Russ. It just feels like that's going to be the decision. Yeah. Because, you know, we he does have an opportunity this year to get in the All-Star game because the Golden State Warriors are beat up. You know, like Clay and Steph aren't there. Yeah. Mike Mike Conley is injured. We thought this might be Mike Conley's year to finally <laughs> make Mike an All-Star Conley. game. Nope, no, not Mike, happening. Mike I know, it's so sad. Uh, I mean, Dame will probably make it. Um, but I could even see someone arguing that Chris Paul should make it above Dame, just given the success of the team, even yeah. though I think Dame's been really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when you're looking at CP three, it's probably going to be one of those last guard spots mm-hmm. and you're going to be comparing him to probably Russ. You're going to be comparing him to Devin Booker. Uh, those are the decisions that the coach is going to be making. Even SGA. And I feel like yeah. if SGA, yeah. And I feel like, Chris Paul's going to have a leg up just because he's such like a coach's pick. Oh, like he's like the ultimate like coach guy. He's already a coach. He pick Co- himself. Coach on the floor, baby. Yeah, no, I I, yeah. I think he deserves and I think he is very much deserving in so many ways. We've talked about it, not not as a like pitch for the All-Star game, but we've talked about how important he is to the team on and off the court. And to the demeanor of the team and the competitiveness of the team, I think Chris has been huge, absolutely massive for this team. And he deserves to be an all-star because of it. Now, if he doesn't make it, that's perfectly fine because the Thunder are heading toward the playoffs and you probably want to get Chris Paul some more rest. But I think he deserves the accolade. He, he's been one of the 20 best players in the NBA this year. And he's a part of the story of the NBA. And he has the most clutch points, clutch time points, crunch time, clutch time, whatever it is. In the crunch, (laughs) he's got the most points on the season. Yeah, and uh, if you look at his advanced stats, like I I think that's going to be the thing that pushes him over the top, at least in terms of like national Mm -hmm. smart guy podcasts. Oh, yeah. Because I was looking at some of his advanced stats today, and like he's top 15 in win shares, like he's top 20 or something at VORP, you know, all these random advanced stats that we always just throw out. But a lot of podcasts are going to be throwing those out because he has really built this great narrative around himself, but he also has the advanced stats to back him up. And he's been kind of on a tear recently. So I think if he continued this going into all-star voting, 
his actual like raw numbers are going to look a little bit better too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's just, there's just no doubt that he's been the reason that the Thunder have had all the success. The Thunder have, they've had a lot of guys playing well, but without Chris Paul, there's just no way that any of this happens. And tonight really kind of accentuates that in, in a lot of ways. So uh, just another crazy performance by Chris Paul and the Thunder where SGA really helped carry the load throughout most of the game. He finished with 22 points on 18 shots, four boards, two assists, two steals. He played really well. Uh, and then it, when the fourth quarter came around, just like we said earlier, it was it was time for Chris Paul. Uh, did, you, did you hear what he said about Terrence Ferguson after the game? It's like giving Ferguson. I did. It's like it's two post games in a row now that he's brought up <laughs> T Ferg. I know. Just giving praise to Terrence Ferguson and talking about how if he's ever mad at him, it's because he's not shooting. It's like, yep, that's why right. we're mad at him too, <laughs> Chris. <that's why> <laughs> well, at least we're all on the same page. <laughs> yeah, uh, the same would not be said for Darius Baisley, who had three three pointers within the first two minutes of the game. I mean, he was just chucking, which I really love and appreciate about him. Uh, he finished with uh, eight points on eight shots, two of five from three. Uh, he was he was at least fun in his 15 minutes, but uh, that didn't last long. We saw a ton of Ferguson. He played power forward down the stretch because the the Nets play a little bit small, and you can you can get away with that. Um, but yeah, they were great. They covered Dinwiddie really well. He finished with. 14 points on 21 shots. Uh, and they, I thought he's a much bigger guard than, you know, Chris Paul or Schroeder, but I thought the Thunder played him well and forced him into a lot of tough shots, which is, that's key in beating this Nets team, who I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't realize how far under 500 the Nets were, but. Uh, I know they are, they are officially, they officially have a losing record without Kyrie now. Oh, interesting. They're 12 and 13. Yeah. Yeah, the, it was a it was an interesting back to back because, and I was I was tweeting with JP OSU on Twitter about this, but it seemed like the three guard lineup had a little bit more struggles over these last two games, which yeah. makes sense because they're playing uh, t- two teams with really huge guards, like across the board. Yeah, I mean Ben Simmons is huge, Josh Richardson is pretty big, and then tonight Dinwiddie, uh, like there was a point at the end of the game where Schroeder was matched up on Dinwiddie and Dinwiddie just looked huge compared to Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that is that lineup's one kryptonite when they play just a ton of big guards. Although on the other hand, it worked out tonight. Like I was ready to come on here and talk about how, yes, this team's been so great in the clutch, but we knew that this team wasn't going to be like the best clutch team ever. Eventually it's going to get, you know, regress to the mean, <laughs> you know, we, we saw them, it happened against Philly. It happened again tonight in Brooklyn. But then Dinwiddie misses that free throw and they close the deal in overtime. I know. That was such an and it was just it's just funny that the Nets are the ones that ended up looking tired by the end of that game. And the Thunder were on the second out of a back to back and missing players and having to play guys big time minutes. I mean, you look at the minutes that they had. Steven Adams over thirty five minutes a game again tonight at thirty six. Chris Paul thirty eight minutes. Terrence Ferguson forty. Shea thirty nine. 35 for shooter. I mean, that's a ton of minutes for these guys on a second half of back-to-back. And it's crazy that they were able to summon the energy to beat a Nets team that played more guys and had more rest than they did. 
Well, that's that's one of the areas where you see the value of Billy's system coming to fruition. Yeah. Because there were moments tonight where you're seeing Muscala out there, Deontay Burton. Yep. of uh, Instagram fame, played 16 <laughs> minutes tonight. Uh, you saw Abdul Nader out there making a couple shots. Mm -hmm. like, And it just kind of worked. And it, it, they were good enough to keep them in the game, which I have to at least attribute somewhat to Billy's coaching job and the system he's put in place, where yeah. those guys can just slot in at a moment's notice and do what they need to do to at least keep the game close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you do have to give Billy a ton of credit. And playing, and also playing Steven, you know, his 25 to 28 minutes a night uh, on a regular basis, you know, gives him room to play these big minutes when Nerland is out. And he doesn't seem to be oh, as yeah. tired. Uh, so you do yeah, have to I wanted, give Billy I th a ton I thought, of credit. He, I thought Steven, I thought I wanted to talk about him real quick. His game against the Sixers, obviously <laughs> it was his season high at 24 points, but. Yeah. It, even beyond the points, it was his best game of the year. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was so impressive. And if you're a team like the Boston Celtics, I know they can't trade for him because it doesn't make any sense. But you see the way he matches up against Joel Embiid mm -hmm. and just like not beasting him, but like meeting him man to man in the post, like whether it's on offense or defense and especially on the offensive boards. Mm -hmm. Like it was just incredible. He had nine offensive rebounds mm -hmm. against the Sixers. That's against Joel Embiid. I just thought he was incredible that night. Yeah, that was like one of the best games I've seen of him in a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. Now, if you're the Celtics, and this Memphis pick maybe isn't looking as good as you thought it would. Mm, not as juicy. Would it be worth it for them to do a trade like Steven Adams and the expiring contract of Robertson for Hayward and Daniel Tice? with the Memphis pick attached. What? I mean, I'm dubious that they would ever trade Hayward. Why? I don't know. Cause it's Brad's guy. It's Brad's guy. They were uh, roommates in college. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, could have, if you could have Steven, if you could have Kemba Walker, Marcus smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Steven Adams, you can win the Eastern conference. Oh, I yeah, I uh, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you watch him against MB, and you're like, "That's perfect. That's what we need." 35 minutes a game from Adams in a playoff series against the Sixers, and the Celtics might be like the championship favorites. But on the other hand, Gordon Hayward, yeah, you know, the, he might have another crazy injury. When has Boston ever traded a guy who has uh, a ton of sentimental value to the team? When has that ever happened? <laughs> You know, I just can't see them trading them. <laughs> okay, maybe they will trade them. I, th but I, I don't think know. The, I, th the, I just think I don't, and I'm, and if I'm the Thunder, I mean, if I'm the Thunder, if you get the Memphis pick, you do it. You know, but I'm just, I'm just saying, if the, if they're invested in trying to win now, I don't know. Steve, I would help them a lot, and goodness, Boston would love Steven so much. It would be wild how much they would love him. It would probably be sickening. Like Bill Simmons would just talk about him. Oh, geez. Nonstop. Would, oh, it'd be unbelievable. And Steven and Steven, you get the stash bros Steven and back. Stevens and mm. yeah, I'm just saying that I, and I don't want the thunder to do that. I mean, I'd, I'd rather the thunder keep Steven Adams, but 
Uh, if you're the, you're right, and I thought about that during the game too. If you're the Celtics, like, sheesh, like that's that will that puts you, to me it puts you over the top, where I think you actually could compete. Uh, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like they let the let the boys spread their wings, get <laughs> get Gordon Hayward out of there. Let the boys let the boys play. Let them hoop like Chris Paul. Let them hoop. And then you'd be able to get a uh, custom Thunder jersey that said Gorgman on the back. That's, that's really what this is all about. This is what this is all building up to. <laughs> the Gorgman. <laughs> the Gorgman. Uh, okay, great games from the Thunder. They lost last night in Philly, but it was still like a really hard-fought game where it, when it ends, you're like, yeah, that was that was cool. Like, it was a fun game. hate that they lost, but they're going to lose games. Like, all teams lose games, especially teams like the Thunder. Like, they'll lose games. Uh and then against the Nets, the Thunder were shorthanded, no Gallinari, and no Nerlens Noel, and they still took care of business, which is pretty impressive. The the re- their record without Gallinari is getting kind of weird. It's getting kind of uncomfortable, to be honest. Oh, you think he's holding us back? I don't. I just think that it's weird, honestly. <laughs> I don't think he's holding them you back know, at all. I think that he's actually super awesome, but it is just weird that they're what are they five and one without him now, which yeah. is kind of wild. And if you were interested in a Gallo trade, you know, I think tonight with the mellow game winner, I just don't think they need him anymore. You know, <laughs> there's no way. Oh, I love it. Twenty eight points from Mellow. Just keep convincing yourselves, Blazers fans. Just keep convincing yourselves. God. The, what are the Blazers going to do, man? What are they going to do? Well, I went to a bar tonight uh, to meet my friend for important stuff. We had business stuff to talk about, okay? All right? I wasn't just drinking beer at 3 p.m., <laughs> all right? I was sick today. I was off work. And uh, he's a Bla- big Blazers fan. And I convinced him over the course of our conversation that they have to do something right now. John Hollinger just posted an article on The Athletic listing all the teams with cap space this summer. And the Blazers were like fourth in how much cap space, which is awesome, but it's also only like 14 million. So sure, like they could probably sign a starter for that amount. Maybe they could sign like two bench pieces total or something like that. But then that's it. Then you're done because Dame's big contract hasn't kicked in yet. And once it does, like they're done in terms of flexibility. And we've talked about this. They have these two giant expiring contracts, Mm -hmm. Kent Bazemore, Hassan Whiteside, you can trade those now and get huge contracts back if you're willing to pay the tax, but you can get contracts that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get after this year. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you start thinking about, you know, guys like Kevin Love or even Danilo Gallinari if you want to resign him. And so I just I feel like they have to do something mm-hmm. before the deadline because you can't just risk the future of Dame's time in Portland on $14 million this summer. Yeah. You can't risk it just on that. And, so, and Rodney Hood coming back. Like, that's what you're going to bet Dame's career on? Mm-hmm. $14 million and Rodney Hood coming back? And a possible yeah, lottery pick. What do you mean? What if they get oh, like the, oh, for this year, yeah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm being kind of serious. So if you're the Blazers. No, you're right. Would you rather trade Hassan Whiteside and your pick for Kevin Love? Or would you just rather have the lottery pick? I mean, well, I mean, is Kevin Love coming off the bench? I mean, where's he going to play, Andrew? <laughs> Good question. 
You know what I no, mean, though, because that could be that could be their option. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if that was their option, then I say just do it. Get Kevin Love. Are you are are you gonna get? Is there, are you gonna get someone better than Kevin Love? In the Either lottery, in free agency, or through another trade, or your or yeah, through the lottery. Uh, probably not. Probably not. But also, you're not gonna be. You're not going to have that contract for the next three years after this year. Or is it four? No, it's just three. Three. That's a lot. He's it's a, a lot. I know, but he's he's a hometown kid. I know. I just he's look at what's kid. happening to Blake Griffin, and I'm just mortified. Yeah, but that's all knee stuff. Uh, I don't think uh, Kevin Love has ever had knee stuff. Yeah. He's had stuff, though. Oh, he's definitely had stuff. I think he had a foot thing. I don't know, man. And a hand thing. I don't like it. I don't like it. I would not I would not trade for Kevin Love if I'm anybody. Gosh, I, I want to read you the free agents this summer. Just so just so you're aware. I'd just of rather what have the pick. Into. You know, you know how sick I am. I'd rather have the pick. I'd just rather yeah, uh, I'd just uh, rather go into you know, the lottery a week and get draft, the you want uh you want to hope that Obi Toppin falls to you. <laughs> And that he's amazing his first year. That's what you want. I don't know. People, in a draft where people don't know what's going on, it's more likely that a guy just falls that you could just get. Hey, can, can I read the notable 2020 unrestricted free agents <laughs> and you think in your head who they could get for $14 million or less? Okay. All right. Paul Millsap. Yes, they could get him. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, Jay Crowder, no. Montrez Harrell. Mm-hmm. Hassan Whiteside, Marvin Williams, Chandler Parsons, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, ooh, Serge Ibaka, Danilo Gallinari, Jeff Teague, Derek Favors, Kent Bazemore, Alan Crabb, Goran Dragic. Yeah, it's not great. Serge Ibaka is kind of interesting. It's not great. That's what they have. Yeah, he is kind of interesting because I bet you could get him for cheap. You can get him for probably two years, 20 million. Slide him into the mellow spot. And put him, put him next to Nurkic. That's kind of interesting. They still need a wing. Their only wing, assuming Bazemore leaves, is Rodney Hood coming back <laughs> and Nasir Little. <laughs> is Nasir Little really a wing? I don't know. I don't know what he is. He's big. He's big. He is big. Yeah, maybe Anthony Simons will grow. Like, Jay Crowder might be their best free agent option. Yeah. That's true. That is true. They're screwed, man. And that wraps up uh, Blazers Pod. Blazers Pod. Now let's go on to some Reddit questions from r forward slash thunder. How do you say it? What do you say when you talk about it? Uh, I mean, you could just say the Thunder subreddit, or you could say r slash thunder. Okay. Not be a square about it. Because I just... <laughs> I just read it. I just look at it. I usually don't say it. Is that how you read all your URLs? I don't know. I've been trained. I've been trained by some of our sponsors to read like that. So, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So, this one is from Momo Milady. And Momo. Hey, Milady. what does that name remind you of when you read it? It reminds me of the uh, the song, Come uh, Milady, Come Come Milady, yes! Yama Butterfly. Yeah. Okay. Every time, and I'm sure it's Momo Malady. No, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, Momo Malady. Momo Malady. 
You're my butterfly, sugar, baby. baby. No, I think that's it. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's very, very weird that we both think that way. It feels, <laughs> but it's only right. Uh, did you ask, did anyone else freak out over Embiid's finger dislocating? I almost passed out. I logically know it's not that serious of an injury, but seeing a body part bent unnaturally freaks me out. Can you rank top 10 most horrifying NBA injuries of all time, according to Down to Dunk? This is for science. So, like I said, I woke up this morning. I was feeling nauseous. I was sweating profusely. I attempted to go into work, and I said, nope, not doing it today. Sent the email, hanging out at home, saw this question. I said, this is the perfect time for me to conduct this research because I'm already nauseous. So I'm going to watch all of these injuries, <laughs> one <laughs> after the other, and decide which of them made me feel most mm-hmm. nauseous. Yeah, that's good. So I, pr- I probably watched 50 injuries today. Wow. Multiple times, going through them on YouTube. I found some great <laughs> injury compilations out there. I want to be the YouTube guy who just compiles all the injury footage and makes sweet compilations for for sickos like me. Who's watching these other than me? Who just gets onto YouTube and says, oh, honey, do you want to watch 20 minutes of guys breaking their leg? John Hamm in a uh, text group I'm in did send a YouTube of NBA players getting kicked in the balls. So that's another thing. That I can understand. That's more niche, you know. Yeah. This is just general injury. You just like seeing people get hurt. Yeah. I don't like uh, it. But, An- Andrew, I legitimately have 10 injuries. Okay. Go for it. Rank. <laughs> All right. First, some honorable mentions. Looking back on it, the Derrick Rose uh, ACL tear, yeah. not that not that gruesome in okay. retrospect. That's good. I watched that one a couple times, and it was not too bad. I was like, oh, I bet he recovered fine from that. And then uh, another one, Nerland's Noel Fall. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this one? I don't know. He he actually got injured on the play and like fell out of bounds. He was defending. Then he ran back onto the court and tried to block a dunk and was just slammed to the ground and hit the side of his head. It was brutal. Oh, yes. I do remember Didn't that. Didn't make my yes. top 10, though. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another weird one that I wouldn't necessarily was say was horrifying was TJ Ford's career-ending injury, mm-hmm. which is still weird to go back and watch. He had a spinal injury where oh, he just yeah. kind of collapsed. Like, he was hit. But it wasn't anything significant, and he just he was awake. You could see his head moving. He was breathing, but he could not move, yeah. and he could not walk. That one was very like creepy. Mm-hmm. Anyways, into my top ten, number ten, Andrew. <laughs> this is gonna take a long time. <laughs> February twenty seventh, two thousand fifteen. I'm going with the Russell Westbrook dent in head. Oh yeah, this was a course uh, a road game against the Blazers. There was a scramble under the basket, and Andre Robertson accidentally kneed Westbrook in the side of his head, mm. denting his face in. It was which crazy. I don't know if I would say horrifying, but it was more like I didn't know the face could do that. I know. Whenever I just didn't, I didn't know you could get a dent. The picture's horrifying. Like you know the picture I'm talking about. Like you've seen it. Yeah, and it's like seared into my memory. This is also it's, this also it's brutal. I, this also doubles as a so I asked for like Westbrook moments in our in our Twitter feed, and this came up multiple times where like the dude played with a dent in his face, and then he came back. I think he missed one game, 
because yes, he, had he missed dentist. a grand total of one game and he came back and played 42 minutes. <laughs> yep, with the mask on. It was it was amazing. Just is one of those it's one of those like moments where he became a legend. Like he was already a legend, but it like goes into here's why Russell Westbrook is a legend. Is that the dude played with a dent in his face and missed one game. And he had one of his I would say his top 10 career highlights, the coast to coast dunk. Yeah, against with the Philly. mask. On. Yeah. Against the Sixers. Yep. So that was number 10. Number nine, November 12th, 2018, Karis Levert. Mm. This was a game against the Timberwolves. He landed awkwardly on a failed block attempt on a fast break play. He actually didn't fracture his foot. It was just a foot dislocation. And honestly, looking at it, I know people get freaked out by it, but it looks like he just turned his ankle and it never went back. (laughs) You know, like it's not in a weird position. Yeah. Like it it is to the side, Mm -hmm. granted. But I've seen people turn their ankles. It's just like if you just stopped the frame right there and it never went back. So it was it was a little gruesome, but not too bad. That's why I ranked it nine. Mm-hmm. Number eight. This this one's going to surprise you, Andrew. This was in 2010. The Carmelo Anthony pseudo concussion. Mm. Do you remember this? This was in OKC. Do you remember? He he was playing and he was driving and I think it was KD. And he hit him and then just collapsed to the ground. Mm. And play just continued. And the, and the thunder went down the court. Mello's still laying underneath the basket, not moving. And in fact, the, the Nuggets got a steal on that play, came back down the court, and were playing over Carmelo's body. <laughs> what? Oh, I kind of do remember this now. And they finally call a timeout. He has not moved at this point for like two or three minutes. But you can see it is breathing. But there was a point where I was like, is Carmelo Anthony dead? Like, what is going on? So <laughs> And George Carl is game, not wasting a timeout. <laughs> yeah. And so Melo said after the game that he, he blacked out for a moment. But the medical staff determined he didn't have a concussion. He was allowed to continue playing. Now, the funniest part of this, <laughs> if that wasn't funny enough, <laughs> the funniest part of this, I read a uh, – I found an old article uh, from the Denver Nuggets, like, beat writer. Yeah. And it was all about how terrible the OKC fans were because when Melo first collapsed, we apparently all booed because we thought he was faking. Then we found out he wasn't faking. Then he finally stood up and everyone cheered. (laughs) But then when he came back 10 minutes later, he got booed again every single time he touched the ball. What? I don't know why we did that. What were we doing? It's kind of rude, but a little funny. (laughs) Okay, so that was number eight. Number seven. This is a rare, this is one you probably don't even remember. November 13th, 2003. You were a sophomore in high school. Mm -hmm. Jamal Crawford neck injury. So he was on the Bulls at this time. He was playing a game against the Timberwolves. Who was he guarding at the three point line? Fred Hoiberg. Oh. Yeah. A little future, you know? Future or something. (laughs) Uh, So he bit on a pump fake and he jumped. And Fred Hoiberg went forward. Jamal Crawford did a complete 180, not a 360. I know what it is. 180 could not get his hands or his legs to break his fall and landed directly on top of his neck. Oh, no. So, like, he he could not brace himself at all. Got to go check this one out. Flat on his neck, he fell. And he was fine, it turned out. But it was really horrifying in the moment. Wow. The next one, number six, December 9th, 1977. <laughs> going back for this one you got to know what this one is right this is the punch this is the punch now 
you would you might argue that looking at this one now, it's not horrifying. And it's true. If you just watch it, it looks like, you know, just a classic world star video. This guy runs up, gets punched, falls on the ground. Who cares? But if you know the details mm -hmm. of this punch, it makes it so much scarier. And you think about if this was shot in HD, we would have seen Rudy Tomjanovich's face. And apparently, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, he didn't see the punch, but it sounded like someone had dropped a melon onto the hardwood and it had shattered. Mm -hmm. That was his description. So there was a squabble that broke out at the beginning of the second half. Tomjanovich was rushing to half court to help a teammate, and he ran face first into a punch from Kermit Washington. The punch flung him back. He fell to the court, hit his head on the back, or hit the back of his head on the hardwood. It knocked him unconscious. He suffered a fractured skull, broken jaw, broken nose, a concussion, and had leakage of spinal fluid. So he got up, went to the hospital, and was like, conscious this whole time and the doctors told him that he was going to die if they didn't immediately operate <laughs> just like a just from a punch from one punch great punch i mean all things considered the aim and everything because uh, tom Jonovich did try to block it but kermit worked his way around it but just like a terrifying and, and after this apparently before this in the early 70s a lot more fighting in the nba and after this they really tried to curb it because this guy almost died Got to curb so I had to include that. Yep. Uh, number five, you all know this one, October 17th, 2017. Ga I almost said Gayward Horton. <laughs> Gordon Hayward. Six minutes into his first game with the Celtics, oh, opening so night game against the Cavs, landed awkwardly on a missed alley-oop dunk, fractured his tibia and dislocated his ankle. The reason why this one is so much higher than Karis LeVert is because similarly, his foot got stuck in a position, but the position made no sense. Yeah. The way his foot was pointed is so horrifying because you can't, it, you've never seen it before. It's like that doesn't make sense in relation to his body. This orientation, I don't understand it. Nasty. Yeah, that was, that was horrible. Future Thunder player, Gordon Hayward. I hope Mo Mama Lady is enjoying all this. Okay, number four. <laughs> Better be. <laughs> April 3rd, 2010, Andrew Bogut's elbow. <laughs> yeah, this is brutal. Game against Phoenix Suns. He has a fast break dunk attempt. He's hanging on the rim. Mm -hmm. Mari Stoudemire comes behind. He can't hold on anymore. He fell awkwardly, and his entire right arm absorbed all of the fall. He ended up breaking his hand, dislocating his elbow, and spraining his wrist. And this was April 3rd, so this was right at the end of the season. He was almost done. And it was like his first breakout season, and it was bad. It was the start of a lot of injuries for Bogut, and it's mm -hmm. nasty to watch. Yeah. Okay, we're getting to the top three, Andrew. You ready? <laughs> I don't know. Go ahead. Number three! <laughs> February 26, 2007. You got to know what this one is. A classic in the genre. Oh, is this uh, uh, Sean Livingston? That is correct. Sean Livingston's knee, game against the Charlotte Bobcats. Landed awkwardly on the layup attempt. Listen to this. He tore his ACL, PCL. Lateral meniscus, badly sprained his MCL, dislocated his patella and his tibiofibular joint. And it wasn't even, it was just, he just stepped. He was doing like a Eurostep kind of thing. All that happened from just one step. And he was told by his doctors that there was a chance his leg would need to be amputated. <laughs> that's horrifying. I don't know that I remember that detail. Yeah, that's crazy. Former okay, Thunderman. final two. Yeah. 
former Thunder player, NBA champion. Shout out to him. Just retired. Uh, number two, some people might be surprised that this isn't number one, but August 1st, 2014, the Paul George broken leg. Yeah. Of course, happened at a scrimmage, Team USA scrimmage. He was guarding James Harden on a transition play. He crashed, crashed into the stanchion. He had a compound fracture of both bones in his lower leg. The scrimmage was immediately stopped. Everyone went home. Terrible. It's one of those ones that you, once you see it, you don't need to see it again. You know, these, these top two, I will tell you, I did not rewatch them. Yeah. I watched them one time and then I was good. But that one was beat out, Andrew, by one that was even more recent. My number one most horrifying injury. <laughs> Shout out to Momo Milady. March 25th, 2019. I'm giving it to the Yusuf Nurkic leg break. Oh, wow. Because the reason I'm giving it to this. What? Bigger leg? No, Andrew. It was the sound. Oh. The sound was the worst thing I've ever heard, and I'd forgotten about it. And I turned it on today, and it looks bad enough. Yeah. Luckily, he's wearing a compression sleeve because mm-hmm. he had, he same injury as Paul George, a compound fracture, both bones of his lower leg. It was a double overtime win, and it was in double overtime. He was he had 32 and 16 before the injury. Jeez. So luckily, you don't see anything. It's actually not that gross because he's wearing the compression sleeve on his leg. But the sound, Andrew, I will never forget it. I'm going to be sleeping tonight and be thinking about it when I go to bed. Ugh. So that's my number one. Wow. Good job, Momo Milady. You did it. Momo Milady. Mr. Claw wants to know, with Adams dropping a new ad as the beef spokesperson, what would the other players on this roster be the spokesperson for? Face. For ad campaign for? Okay, I've got, I got a few for you. Okay. Uh, first, Deontay Bort- <laughs> Borton. Oh. Deontay Burton, I think he would be a spokesman for a winery. Okay. Because all he does is wine. Oh. <laughs> got him. Burn. <laughs> okay, next. Mike Muscala, uh, I thought he could be a good spokesman for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Mm-hmm. Because when you're traveling to a small town in Minnesota on the first day of free agency, you're going to need a rental car. Yeah. Huh? Pretty nice. Okay. Uh, next, uh, Deontay Burton. Pampers, because he's a baby. <laughs> All right, next one. This is actually my favorite one. Dennis Schroeder, spokesman for Starter Athletic Brand. Okay. What do you think? That's pretty good, right? Because <laughs> he, he wants to be a starter, you know? He does very much. Um, Lugens Dort, uh, I thought he'd be a great spokesman for Down to Dunk. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. I also gonna say that uh, that Dennis Schroeder would be a good uh, spokesman for like DVD players because he would just say it's a hell of a player. <laughs> uh, I have one more for you. Okay. Darius Baisley, uh, the Phineas and Ferb fan club. Yeah. So you can find this on Phineas and Ferb fans club dot weebly dot com. Uh, this looks like a GeoCity site. That was made back in like 1997. Yeah. And on the on the landing page, it says, welcome to my fan site. I know I am just a kid, but I started up this site with an adult. <laughs> I started this site because I felt there wasn't enough Phineas and Ferb fan sites. I know you might be thinking, why start up a site when there is not a lot around? When there is not a lot around, you have to go somewhere. That's what this kid wrote as his 
intro. <laughs> uh, so I thought, you know, Baisley could maybe promote this guy, you know, get this fan club kind of moving. It looks like it hasn't been updated in a while. Be a good spokesman for it. He loved that. He's a big, big Ferb guy. Big Phineas and Ferb guy. Uh, Adam's Nut Cup 6 wants, asks, Royce Young was talking about a Gallo and Robertson swap for Kevin Love on the Windhorse pod. It appears this might actually not be a bad idea for Presty if he can't re-sign Gallo before the deadline. What do you think? So I listened to that pod, Adam's Nut Cup, and my impression was that Royce was saying, this is a thing that the Thunder might have done at another stage of their life cycle as a team. Mm -hmm. But clearly, it's not something they would be doing now. That was my impression of what he said. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, if Cleveland... Because I do think it's a bad idea. (laughs) I think it's a very bad idea. I don't think it's what the Thunder want to do or will do. But if, and I don't, and here's the deal. I don't think the Cavs are willing to incentivize the Thunder enough to do it. Because the Thunder, they would have to incentivize them handsomely to make something like that happen, in my opinion. To where the Thunder would say, okay, we're willing to basically delay the tank longer. Because we're getting these two first round picks from the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2022 and 2024. You know, something like that. And say, okay, well, we'll do it then. But I don't think that the Cavs are going to do that. So I just don't think that there's a deal to be had. But if if they could pull something off like that, then it would probably be worth it. Um, but without being incentivized like that, I don't think it's worth it. Because then you're going to have two guys that have their contracts go past 2022 and they're making you know 30 and $40 million. Those are hard contracts to trade. Yeah, this this would be like the type of trade you make if the Paul George trade happens, but Russ says, I want to stay in OKC. This is the kind of deal you do because at that point, like you're all in anyways. Yeah. So, and like how else are you sure. going to get a player? Yeah. Of that stature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. Uh Midnight Ross, is it possible that we luck out in this year's draft, as well as having some of our bench guys make huge leaps? that we could actually skip the tanking seasons and be title contenders in two to three years. And he acknowledges that this is a fantasy world. So, <laughs> and he just he says, he just wants to keep Steven Adams. Uh, I don't think it's possible to be contenders. I, I don't um, because Chris Paul inevitably won't be this guy in three years. Like if Chris Paul was 29, sure. But Chris Paul's not 29 and he's about to turn 35. So I don't, I don't see it as a possibility. Um, and, and, when, and when you talk about lucking out in the draft, you're talking about landing like a Giannis-type guy in the mid to late part of the first round. But even with Giannis, like it took him four to five years to become who he really was. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with like Jokic. Like it took a few years for Jokic to become who he was. It's not like some of these guys at the top where, you know, Luka Doncic already in his second year is positively contributing to winning and looks like he's like an MVP candidate. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who was taken in the mid to late first uh, or late to first part of the, what am I saying, Andrew? Mid to late 
part of the first round and immediately became like a positive contributor. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like like to that level. Well, you're talking about an, the exception to the rule, is what you're. But I, I'm saying there's. About. I don't even know if there has been that exception. I mean, Kawhi even contributed the guys like Giannis, immediately on those Spurs teams. Right, but he wasn't even the best player on the team. Like, if you're really lucking mm-hmm. out and wanting to be a contender, mm-hmm. you basically have to draft someone who's going to be the best player on your team. Donovan Mitchell. But or, he, they're not. They weren't contender. Like, and they're still not. True. He, he's talking about being a title contender. True. Not going to happen, Midnight Ross. Yeah. Get out of that fantasy world. It's not a thing. Start reading some nonfiction. <laughs> it's definitely not a thing. Uh, it would be nice, though. Be nice not to have to tank. I I would, I concede that it would be great not to have to tank. I would love that because that means so that you'd I don't like have to just win every year. You freak! <laughs> I'd love to get a title contender just out of nowhere. Just poof, the Thunder are a title contender. That's just, oh, it's unfortunate. That's not how it goes. Uh, let's see. Uh, this guy says wants to know. Which team is the most desperate to make the playoffs and could possibly be the easiest to swindle in a trade? Also, do you have any interest in Dennis Smith Jr.? I don't. Do you, Alex? No, thank you. Okay. Uh, Teams the Thunder could swindle. I think the Phoenix Suns is a team that we have focused on before. I think they're. Yes, for sure. Could definitely swindle the Suns. Uh, what, What you're really looking at is fringe teams that are desperate to make the playoffs that haven't made it in a while and they think they're a Gallinari away from getting there. And so I think Phoenix is definitely one of those. I think Orlando could be one of those. Anybody else? Um, not really. I, I, I don't know what's going on with the Kings right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they definitely want to make the playoffs, but they have so many injuries and other issues I, I don't know if they, they really believe that a trade is going to fix everything. Yeah. I don't know. Would you do Tyler Johnson, Mikhail Bridges for Gallinari? Mm, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's not totally that doesn't inspiring. make me that excited. I know. It's not totally inspiring. But Bridges, I mean, he hasn't been very good, but he profiles as a guy that you'd want to put on a team like the Thunder. I feel like that it would be him and Ferg head to head. I know. Who will survive? He's a little bit bigger than Ferg. Uh, what about Cam Johnson? Are you more interested mm. in Cam? No. Okay. <laughs> I think I think you could probably get those guys. Uh, and then with Orlando, you interested in Mobamba? Mobamba guy? Sure. Sure. Uh, I don't know what the trade is with them. Uh. Well, they screwed up because they had Mozgov's contract. I know. They screwed and up. They got so rid of it bad. before the season when they could have used it as an expiring because they're idiots. I don't know why they did that. There's they, no reason to do it. They are idiots. Would Thank you. you. Schroeder. Let's see. Schroeder for Terrence Ross and Jonathan. Not Jonathan Isaac. That would be awesome. And Mo Bamba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I would probably do that. Okay. Ross would I mean Ross is a good size for a wing. Come in, hit some threes, need another shooter. Yeah. We would lose our three guard lineup though. You lose the three guard lineup and you get Mo Bamba. I don't know. I'm not, I was never a Mo Bamba guy. 
He got killed by every white guy in the Big 12. I'm not a big Obama guy. I do remember you saying that. I did. I said it. I watched it. I feel it still today. Uh, okay, let's see. Besides SGA, what other Thunder players have potential to be an all-star, excluding the vets? This is from K. Piranha Plant. Uh, None. Zero. To be all-stars? I mean, if you want to believe, you could say Baisley, just because who knows, but that would be it. Yeah, it's a, and that's a, at this point, it's a pretty big stretch. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, if you're not talking about veterans, which Chris Paul... Hey, if you're a Thunder fan, please just stop and vote for Chris Paul for the All-Star game just right now, please. Uh, the young guys, like you're talking about Ferguson, you're talking about Hami, you're talking about Lou Dort. I love Lou Dort. I would bet a lot of money that Lou Dort will not make an All-Star game ever. <laughs> a whole lot of money. Because <laughs> there's a lot of really good players that have never made an All-Star game. Um, and so I would not start betting that Lou Dort will make the all-star game. Uh, let's see the thunder up underscore 14. What is each of you fellas favorite foreign food? Number one, <laughs> Thai food. Okay. Love it. Number two, Vietnamese food. Mm. Number three, Korean food. Mm. Have you ever had bibimbap? Mm-mm. Oh, Baby, it's good. It's like uh, it's it's kind of like a fried rice, but there's some other stuff in it yeah. that isn't normally in food, uh, like well, like fermented food kind of stuff. Okay. But and and at this one place I go, they serve it in this bowl that it's like scalding hot, mm -hmm. and they crack an egg over it, mix it all up for you, and then push it all against the side of the bowl so that the rice gets really nice and crispy. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That sounds really good. So try out some bibimbap. Uh, sounds sounds great. Uh, I like Mexican food. It's delicious. Uh, spicy <laughs> food. <laughs> I like Thai food as well. Spicy Thai food. It's great. Uh, Bold Money wants to know how much of Dennis's improvement this year is due to individual skill development versus playing in a different system than last year. Is his improved shooting somewhat sustainable? Could there be a drop-off like post-All-Star break last year? Well, tonight was definitely not a great night. I think he shot five for 16. Mm -hmm. It was probably his, I think I looked up, it was his fourth worst shooting night, but probably his worst shooting night if you take into account volume. Um, so I expect there's going to be some type of drop-off, but I, I think he, there's been enough improvement just in his individual skill development that this still is going to be like a career year for him. So yeah. I think it could drop off a little bit. Maybe it's just not this hot but I think he's going to have more hot nights than not. Whereas mm -hmm. it felt in the past, he would have more of these five for 16 nights. And then every once in a while, he'd have one of these games where he just takes over and you'd be like, Oh, look at this guy. Yeah. I mean, he's 47% from the field currently, which is pretty good. That's above his head. So I would expect it to fall uh, to 44 ish. He's a 43% field goal percent shooter on his career. So I'd say that like between 44 and 46 is probably where he'll land uh, on the season. And then 35% is not, I mean, he shot 35% before he's never shot this many threes per game before in his career either. 
I do think that guys, when they get about his age, though, can improve. And so it's hard to say. I do think that the, the stats will drop some, but I also have seen a ton of improvement on the defensive end from him. Uh, I feel like his decision-making has been great. His aggression has been great. And, um, you know, guys, when they get into this, like, 26, 27, 28, that's their, this is the prime. These are the prime years. And so guys can get better. Uh, I don't know that he's this good, but I, I think that he has definitely improved um, and is thriving in this role. Uh, next to guys that can also handle the ball and there's more spacing and I think playing with Gallo helps him and so I think that there's there's a lot of things that go into it but yeah I think it's a good question though uh let's see Mr. Tezel wants to know how were you possibly bold enough to go through a decade of your favorite Thunder moments and not mention the moment Andrew asked Kyle Singler how he can justify his play from the previous season is he justified yet Andrew do you think he still float tanks? Uh, I still can't believe I said that to him. Uh, I didn't mean to say it whenever I sat down. I was, I don't even remember what I meant to say, but that's just what came out of my mouth. And uh, I don't think he's justified himself yet. And I'm still waiting. And I'll bet you, yes, I'm sure he still floats. He's got to. It's kind of his thing. <laughs> uh, Deej Pro 11. Out of current NBA players not with OKC that could reasonably be acquired this year or in the offseason, who would you want as starters, assuming SGA and Adams stay as starters? Is SGA a shooting guard or a point guard long-term? What is Adams' next contract like, both with OKC or with another franchise? That's a lot of questions here at Deej Pro 11. Uh, Alex, answer any of the questions that you'd like to. Uh, Adams' next contract, I bet it's going to be something close to Nurkic's deal. So, you know, like 12 to 14 million a year, yeah, somewhere yeah. in that range. It's reasonable. And then uh, SGA, is he a shooting guard or point guard long term? You know, I was just listening to the uh, Dunked On guys mm. talk about their top 10 prospects under the age of 23. Oh, but that was riveting. It was. It wasn't actually. Uh, <laughs> but SGA was an honorable mention. Um, I didn't realize how many good guys are in the league, but Mm. anyways, he was an honorable mention, but they were talking about how one of their concerns is they just don't think he's a natural point guard and that he's not seeing all the passes that he he should be seeing. And I say like, who cares? Like if he ends up being just a, a secondary ball handler, like a secondary playmaker with a point guard next to him, I like, I think that could work. So I don't really care if he's a shooting guard or point guard long-term. I think it all depends who they identify either in the draft or in a trade to bring in as his future backcourt partner um, that'll make the difference there. But I, we have, we really haven't seen enough to really say that much about his chops as a point guard. Yeah. Like he, he really hasn't had the full reins of this offense. He, he, you see it in spots, but most of it's just him like driving to the hoop. Yeah. So we, we haven't really seen him run an offense yet. So I don't know if we can say that yet. Yeah, he's always playing with Chris Paul or Schroeder. Always. Right. So if anybody thinks they know, you should stop trying to say you do. <laughs> because it's just kind of silly. And that's the one thing that I've always kind of rubbed me the wrong way about the, the dunked on guys. They just talk so definitively about it. And I'm just like, there's definitely no way that you have watched every minute of every one of these guys. Like, there's just no way. Um, I think he they can. They're very convincing. They're very convincing. I think that I think Shea can be a point guard. I don't. There's no doubt in my mind that he can be a point guard. But 
I mean, there, there's just all different kinds of point guards out there in the league right now. I think James Harden's a point guard. Is he a guy that's always looking for the right pass? No, like he just destroys people. Uh, I think Drew Holiday is a point guard, but is 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 he a, a guy that's always you know diamond people up? Like, no, like he's not the guy that that does that. I've, all point guards are different, and so especially in the league today, so you without a doubt can be a point guard in the league. Is he going to be a guy that's going to get you nine assists a game? Like maybe not, but if he can get you five or six or seven a game, sure. And is he going to thrive alongside a lot of different guys? The answer is yes. I think he can thrive in a lot of different roles, which is something that's really good for a, a team that's going to be you know building a new team for the future. So uh, Frozen Oki wants to know, since the double draft will probably be in 2022, would it be better for the rebuild if the Thunder don't keep this year's first-round pick and instead keep their 2022 and 2023 Second round picks. So shout out to Frozen Oki because this is a smart take that oh. I have not heard yet. Yes. I hadn't even been thinking about it. So this pick that they lost this year, that Philly owns, right? Uh, this year? That was conveyed to them by Orlando yes. in the Fultz trade? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so that pick, if it does not convey, it turns into two seconds. And those seconds are in 2022 and 2023. Now... If you are like Andrew and maybe me, and you think that this team is going to be garbage <laughs> in two years, they're going to be tanking yeah. in 2022 and or 2023, chances are those second round picks are going to be pretty valuable. And if you are in a double draft and you're comparing, let's say, the 20th pick in this draft, which is everyone seems to think is very weak, to like the 35th pick in a double draft, a reminder, double, twice the amount of players that are good. I think you could make the argument that that second round pick in the double draft, whenever that happens is equal to, or maybe even more valuable than like a 20th pick this year in a mediocre draft. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. It is extremely interesting. And I respect the thought and I might even agree that it may be better to have that 2022 first round pick or second round pick than this year's first round pick. And also, you're going to get Denver's pick anyways. So it's not like you're missing a pick in the right. draft. And so two picks in a weak draft versus one second round, two weak first round picks or a one weak first round pick and a strong second round pick, I think you take the strong second. And also those second round picks that are at the beginning of the second round, there's a lot of guys. Valuable. They're valuable. You can. There's been a lot of guys. You can NBA get Carmelo Anthony for one there. of those picks. You can. That's the truth. <laughs> that's what the Thunder did. That's where Mitchell Robinson was chosen. That's where that pick. Yep. That's what the pick turned into was Mitchell Robinson. Those picks can be valuable. So, uh, I'm kind of with that. I'm kind of in on that, actually. Which very is very smart, Frozenoki. I don't know if they can get there though. The I don't think they can either. I would be very surprised. I think that we'll. We'll know really in the next like two weeks to me if they can do it. Because if they outperform and and they can beat like they've got the Lakers and they've got the uh the Rockets coming up this week. I mean, if they win either of those games, that's a shock. Um you know, they've got they've got a lot of games coming up here that 
will be huge tests for them. And so tonight was one of them, you know, winning in Brooklyn on the second half of back-to-back was big. And so, you know, they passed that test. So it would be interesting to see what they do against the Rockets. And it looks like uh, there's probably a question whether Anthony Davis will play in OKC Saturday night. He fell and hurt his tailbone during the game against the Knicks this evening. And so um, if he doesn't play, I mean, that's that definitely – changes the game in OKC or for the Thunder. I guess it is in OKC, in OKC on Saturday night. So uh, let's see. But yeah, it's it's definitely something to, to consider. Uh, shabby Liver, what teams do you predict will be the Thunder's biggest rivals in the coming decade? I mean, I think the obvious one is the Mavs because the Mavs. we know yeah. they're going to have Luka. Mm-hmm. We know they're going to be good. They're going to be so good. They're going to be good. It's going to suck. Yeah. And uh, they're the closest team to us. So it makes sense that they would become our biggest rival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one. I think Sacramento could end up being one with De'Aaron Fox, who I still believe in. But they'll probably just screw it up. So maybe not them. Uh, I mean, honestly, there are so many. I mean, Denver is still going to be good. You know, by the Memphis. time the Thunder are good, Memphis will be one. There are so many teams, though, in the Western Conference that are, like, older and in the next, like, five years will be so different, like Golden State, Clippers, Lakers. Houston. Houston. The Pelicans will be one of the rivals, you know, seemingly. San Antonio, like, who knows what San Antonio looks like. Uh, Minnesota, they're not old, but you you just feel like they just can't get out of the hole that they're in. Um, Portland, Utah, who knows what those teams look like in the next five or six years. But yeah, I think that's interesting. I think Memphis, Dallas, New Orleans, if they can all keep it together, are teams that will be rivals, which is kind of odd. Could have some small markets battling it out out west. And inevitably, it will also be the Lakers that will be their rival just because the Lakers always work something out. Uh, let's see. Anything else that stuck out to you? Any other questions? I do a playoff uh, matchup. Oh, I, I like this question from uh, WLKR. He said, or she, if you had to swap one Thunder starter who is not Terrence Ferguson mm-hmm. for one NBA bench or role player, who would you choose? Hmm. And I thought this was interesting because your first instinct is, well, I'll just switch out someone for either Lou Williams or Montrezl Harrell. Like those are the best bench players in the NBA. Like I guess I'll I'll do a lateral move by switching out Adams for Harrell, or I could do you know Chris Paul for Lou Williams. I don't know. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, the obvious move is you trade Gallo for Michael Porter Jr. Oh, he counts as he counts as a bench player. Wow! And you go the other way. You say, "I'm not trying to be good. I'm not trying to make a lateral move. I'm just trying to get the most value I can for a future young guy." Yeah. So that's my move. I like that. And uh, I was talking to my friend that's a Nuggets fan uh, about Michael Porter Jr. and how the Clippers really should have taken him in that draft because they, they so many teams should have taken the him. Clippers could have had SGA and Michael Porter Jr. in the same draft. Who, the, the, who was the other team 
that was right around there. Like every team in the lottery, man. I don't know. Uh, uh, oh, um, well, I mean the Knicks, obviously. Oh, no, but yeah. Cleveland. Cleveland was the like most obvious oh, yeah. one to me because they knew they were going to be bad. This is post LeBron. Yep. So like, it doesn't really matter. Like they could basically do like a Philly tank where you sit a guy out for a year, get a much higher pick the next year, and then do it all again. And you bring back Michael Porter Jr. And instead they go with Colin Sexton, who like even at the time was like, it's a fine pick. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine, mm-hmm. whatever you want. But there's not, it didn't feel like there was a ton of upside with the Sexton pick. Whereas like the Michael Porter Jr. pick is all upside and all Cleveland needed at that moment was upside after losing LeBron. Like they needed a face of the franchise. And I just don't think Colin Sexton was ever going to be that. Yeah. They may have thought that though. They may have thought that. It's weird. I don't like his, I don't like that little rat tail, man. (laughs) I don't like that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the Clippers took Jerome Robinson over him. Still don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Exactly. Charlotte took Miles Bridges instead of him. Phoenix took Mikhail Bridges. The Knicks took Kevin Knox. But even with all those teams, you could say, like, they didn't want to risk having just a complete lost season. Like, you can kind of justify it. Whereas, like, Cleveland, it was already going to be a lost season. Like, just lose it more. Yeah. And try to try to hit gold. Yeah. Well, we were talking about how it could have been possible that, that if if the Clippers did take Michael Porter Jr., that maybe he was included in the Paul George trade as well. Oh, just trying to get us more assets. He's just trying to get us more retroactive assets. <laughs> God, you weren't happy with what we got. You just want more. I'm pretty greedy when it comes to future assets. Yes. Uh, let's see. Lance X2 wants to know, what is G and bead? He actually says, what is G and bead mean? Uh, G and bead means grateful and blessed. So it's the, uh, it's the opposite of miffed and peeved is what it is. So, yeah, I think we probably say G and bead all the time. And for people that have been listening for a while, you know what it means. But, uh, if you have not listened... (laughs) If you're just now jumping in and you hear GMB, you're probably extremely confused. Uh, okay. I think that's all we got time for from. What about your Westbrook? You, Thunder you skipped all your Westbrook stuff. I don't know. We're not skipping. We're moving on. Oh, okay. We're moving on to the next. Are you okay staying up this late? I'm I, two hours I, behind you. Yeah, I didn't realize what time it was. That's okay. I'll, okay. I'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I honestly did not realize how long we've been going. <laughs> long pod night pod okay so i did request uh, some westbrook memories from our followers and of course you guys delivered because you guys are awesome and so i thought we could just go over some because West- russell westbrook russell westbrook returns thursday night to oklahoma city and it is just gonna be a fascinating time in so many ways of what what is going to happen Thursday night like in the game in the locker room pre-game what does it all look like and so I just want like there's so much that was packed into those 10 years with Russ like you have like the first part of the era where he was awesome and some people wrote in about how that um that layup against the 
the Lakers was their favorite moment in the playoffs. And they talked about the made free throws, the three made free throws where Kevin Durant couldn't look at the end of that Clippers game was one of their favorites. And then you have the moment where Kevin leaves and the entire franchise feels like it's going to crumble. And Russell steps up and says, Nope, not going to happen. I'm not going to allow this to crumble. And in fact, I'm going to win the MVP this year. And he takes the league by storm. He hits all these game winners. I mean, the I think the one that we most heard about was the Denver buzzer beater, where in Denver, he killed their playoffs, killed their playoff hopes that night with that shot. And still, the crowd in Denver chanted MVP for Russell Westbrook because of how spectacular he was in that game. And so, I mean... There are just so many moments. A lot of people talk about how, like Jess2437 says, I loved his belligerent, messy, arrogant, passionate, energetic audacity. And it also drove me up the wall. And yet it's still my favorite thing. He's just stunning, raw humanity. I mean, like that's that's a good way to sum it up. Uh, Bangela talks about how he blocked the Nuggets mascot shot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is just like, can't believe that that really happened. Uh, at Red Sox, Rebert says the full court face mask dunk. We talked about that earlier. Uh, Vito 00608363 says when he stared at Jeremy Lamb for missing a high five. Or like even down to something like that where you can say that and I think everybody knows what you're talking about <laughs> because that's just Russell. I mean, everything he did was memorable in some way from the buzzer beaters to the dunks to the clutch moments to the way he treated the media to the way he treated his teammates to, I mean everything he just every, he did everything loud and he was incredible while he was here Alex I I agree <laughs> Was there anything else that that stuck out to you? I just think that that I don't know what the Thunder are going to do to honor him tomorrow night. I think the Thunder don't really do tribute videos, but he needs one. Oh, this is a yeah. good one from at Kyle underscore E underscore Clark. Uh, the moment where he did the air guitar on Lance Stevenson, um, <laughs> which should definitely be included in the highlight video if, if he does get one. Um, but yeah, just... Just some amazing memories from a decade with Russell Westbrook. Well, I was thinking about it. They really haven't had a situation like this yet. So, you know, we can talk about what they've done for other players, but none of them really compare to what they could potentially do for Russ. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't even, I guess I do remember. What did they do? Did they do anything for KD? I like blocked out that game from my memory. I don't know. It was just, there was just such venom in the arena like it was just and that's and that's a one of the moments too is when russ is saying i'm ready or i'm coming i'm coming i'm I'm coming yeah i'm coming to uh Uh, yeah i love that i mean that one is just one of those moments that you also just never forget and one of the things that i hate that i'll never forget about is that they're wearing the sleeve jerseys in that game which were just (laughs) horrible it's just almost like a double embarrassment. Like the game itself was an embarrassment. They were 
down 94 to 76 when Russell said that, and he's wearing the the pajama jersey. Um, but, I mean, just everything was... He was awesome, and he embodied the city, at least for that one season, you know, the 2017 season, where it just felt like, like, what do we have now? Well, we have a guy that's going to average a triple-double, and it hasn't been done since Oscar Robertson. And we have a guy that's going to win the MVP when he never should have. I mean, people still talk about it. Like, they won 47 games. Why Why did they give him the MVP? Like, just, you have to like, be in the moment. Like, you can't go and just, you look back like, oh, it's because of the stats. It's because, no. It was not only the stats. I think the stats are definitely part of it. The triple doubles, definitely part of it. The clutch moments are definitely part of it. But I think even more than that, it's the storyline that came with it. It's like you had Kevin Durant leave this franchise, and then you had this point guard rise up and do something that no one has done in 40-some-odd years and do it in such a loud way that you just could not ignore him, and you had to give him the MVP. And that, to me, is that that's... That's a part of it, the legend of Russell Westbrook and OKC. That's a, that's a, one of the things that, like, when my kids are old enough to actually care about basketball and they want to know about, like, the, the old Thunder days, I mean, that will be one of the first things that you'll want to tell them about was that season of Russell Westbrook, which was just mine, crazy. Mine will be uh, when my kids, you know, they're old enough to understand basketball. I'm going to uh, tell him that Danny LaRue and Nate Duncan <laughs> picked him for MVP, which still sounds crazy. Like if you need any indication that that season was different, like you just can't go back and look at the stats. Like the fact that those two guys mm-hmm. out of everyone picked Russ and were like confident in it. And the fact that Zach Lowe picked Kawhi Leonard lets you know that it wasn't a two man race. Yep. Like when, when Zach, like it was a three man race. And I think that's one of the reasons why Russ was able to win so convincingly is because some of those votes were split up. Um, but yeah, that those two things just let you know that like, it wasn't a normal season. Like there were so many good stories and Russ's story was so far and away more interesting. I mean, I think back to that Harden season and like, what moment do you remember from Harden season that year? Like today, like, honestly, what I remember is like a Tom Habershow or something making up like a fake club <laughs> based on like random arbitrary stats for Harden. He was, oh, this is the first first guy to do this. It was like him or Windhorse. Like that's that's all I remember about Harden from that season. Whereas I think any NBA fan remembers that Nugget shot. Yeah. Like even if it's just that one shot, like he had that moment and everyone remembers it and it's going to be in every highlight reel for the re- end of time, you know? Yep. No doubt. Yeah, and it's crazy. Kyle Singler was the guy that passed the ball in on that possession, by the way. Mm. Didn't and then he see, got his he did, got his assist uh, with Samash Kristen. And he got the assist with Samash. <laughs> Same game. <laughs> okay, those are two more data data points that we have to talk about that MVP season. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Jeez. Man, I was watching, uh, speaking of highlight reels, I was watching the best shots of the decade from mm-hmm. every NBA team. And uh, eight, I think eight of them were against the Thunder. <laughs> it, which is just like another another thing just to remind ourselves like how much amazing basketball and how many amazing oh, moments yeah, we saw while Russ was here. I mean, it was like the Steph shot, 
the uh, Anthony Davis shot that knocked us out of the playoffs. Essentially, um, there was the Andrew Wiggins shot, banked three. Like, there's yep. so many game. The the flip shot behind the guy's head. I forget who that was. Um, for like the Nets, to, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. where they had like point one seconds left. Mm-hmm. There there were just so many good ones. Yeah, and honestly, none of them really felt that bad in retrospect. Because oh, well, except the Dame one. I was I was about to say none of them were <laughs> in the playoffs except. The Dame, the Dame shot felt pretty bad. That one still is insane to me watching it back. It is. He was so far away. He was very far away. And honestly, we sit here today, the Thunder firmly in the playoffs with all these assets, with Shea, with Chris, with all these things. Yeah. And you say, thank you, Dame. In your face. Thank you, Dame, for this. Because you gave us this, Dame. He did. This is what he gave us, and now the Thunder are somehow... Now you somehow... got to play with Hassan Whiteside and Mello. <laughs> right. Somehow the Thunder are better than them this year. It's just wild. I mean, if you, told, if you said, okay, Lillard hits that shot, they go to the Western Conference Finals, the Thunder trade Paul George and Russell Westbrook, you go into next season, and somehow the Thunder are better than the Blazers. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay. Oh, thanks for um, listening. Hey, are you, oh, yeah. you going to be at the game on Thursday night? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. And and you were telling me when Russ is announced, you're going to boo? Is that right? <laughs> I will sit there in silence like a media Oh, because you're psychopath. a respected journalist. You yeah. can't show favoritism. Yeah. It's people. It's frowned upon. You will just get frowned on by all the other media members that are sitting around you. Well, what I'm interested in seeing, I, I bet I bet they'll do like a two-minute video. That's what I'm guessing. Solid two minutes. They should. I honestly, they should. For what he did and, for the city, for the team, yeah. they should. And they'll do, and we'll get a standing ovation. What yeah. I'm interested in, though, because we were both at the game. I think when Harden came back for the first time, mm-hmm. and it was fun because everyone cheered him in the initial like lineups. But then once the game started, it was like fun because it was like, okay, now we want to beat you. Yeah, now we and want I'm to inter- destroy you. I'm interested to see if that happens with Russ. I know. I don't know if it will or not. I don't like. I could see. I could also see him getting like cheers when he hits his first shot. Or I think something. so. I think. I think everybody's gonna feel so weird. I think people just won't know what to do. Because I'm sure a lot of people don't watch Rockets games, and they're like, "Oh, there's Russ again. Russ is back." Right. Well, he's on another team. What do we do? How do I how do I do this? How do I do this fandom thing now? Because I because everybody here's the thing. I didn't think that we'd get to January 9th and everybody would love this Thunder team the way that they do. I figured that we'd get to January 9th and we'd have some trades made. This team wouldn't be as good. I just did not think that they would be as cohesive as they are and have the record that they do. And also, I didn't know that teams... I mean, the Thunder are in good position right now, um, not only because they played well, but because these other West teams have not been what we thought they would be. You know, like, they're they're benefiting from the fact that the Spurs and the Blazers and the Kings and the Timberwolves and the Pelicans and the Golden State Warriors are all much, 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 much worse than anyone thought they would be. You know, like, I, I, I don't think that it was a guarantee that even if they played this well, that they would still be, you know, in the playoff mix. And they are, and that's great. But there's, they've had help on both, you know, 
from their good play and then also the fact that early on in the season they beat up on the Pelicans and the Warriors. And so there's a lot of factors that go into it, um, them being in the position that they are in. Uh, Okay, anything else? No, I think that's it. Looking forward to Thursday. I know, it's going to be incredible. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you've got some time. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic, the best sports coverage for the NBA, for the NFL, for Major League Baseball, for everything. So go subscribe to The Athletic if you're not already, already subscribed. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys again on Friday. Welcome back to the Deborah Buckets Basketball Hour, the first and only Thunder sub-podcast devoted entirely to hating the Houston Rockets. It's been a while. It's been a while. And I know what you're thinking. Deborah, where did you go? Why did you abandon us? Shut up, okay? Listen. It's been a tough year in the Buckets household, all right? I lost a good friend this past year. He was the light of my life. He was loyal. He was energetic. He was occasionally friendly in very specific situations. His name was Russell, and he's gone now. And frankly, folks, I've had a hard time dealing with it, okay? Why? Because my best friend, Russell, didn't just vanish into thin air because Russell Westbrook is not a ghost. No, he was traded. Traded away to those nasty, step-backing, tax-avoiding, isolation freaks down in Houston, Tejas. So what am I supposed to do now? Deborah Buckets, an award-winning podcasting career built upon hating the Houston Rockets, is now faced with the ultimate Sophie's choice. Do I continue to hate the Rockets or do I root for Russell Westbrook while ignoring the fact that he plays for the dirty, no good, ref baiting, unassisted points collecting, playoff auditing freaks down in Houston, Tejas. The only situation I can compare this to is if my 11 year old son, whom I have loved, for over a decade, and who constantly does cool dunks on his Nerf basket in his bedroom, came to me on his 11th birthday and said, Dad, I'm joining a murder cult. I've enjoyed my time at home, but I think it's time for me to go out on my own and learn a trade, like murder, starting with you. Slice! My son, wielding a Wusthof chef's knife that I was gifted on my wedding night, cuts off my right arm with incredible precision. That's what this is like. Because tomorrow night, Russell Westbrook is coming back to Chesapeake Arena, back to Loud City, back to the house that DJ Boom built. And he will be wearing a jersey the same color as the blood I lost when my 11-year-old son sliced me with a Wusthof knife. Red. Blood red. And if you think that Deborah Buckets 
is going to stand by and cheer for the heartless, heliocentric, asset fetishizing freaks down in Houston, Tejas. Well, you've got another thing coming, compadre. Because Deborah Buckets is a Thunder fan. Period. End of story. Nothing will ever change that. So tomorrow night, when I look out at that sea of red on my television screen, I will only see the enemy. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da